everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Sports Island Podcast. I am your host, Rick Mitchell. Well, this past week, uh, you know, we had some more uh, championship playoff uh, games going on in Major League Baseball and the NBA, and college football is still moving along, and then, of course, we had quite a bit of drama and updates from the NFL regarding the coronavirus and rescheduling of games. So it was a pretty busy week in the sports world. So we'll go ahead and we'll jump right in. But uh, we'll start off like we normally do, of course, in the PGA Tour. And this past uh, last weekend's tournament was the Sanderson Farms Championship. And that was at the Golf Club of Jackson in Jackson, Mississippi. And Kind of like last or the week before last with the Corrales Championship in Punta Cana, uh, I didn't watch any of it. Uh, I did not watch any of the Sanderson Farms Championship at all. Um, I was had a lot of stuff going on last weekend, but, I, you know, again, it wasn't one of those tournaments that I was really dying to tune into. But again, just like Corrales, uh, it turned out to be pretty good, uh, pretty good golf. Um, Sergio Garcia was your winner at the Sanderson Farms Championship with a score of 19 under par. Uh, Peter Malnati finished at 18 under par, and then JT Poston was third with 16 under par. And, you know, Sergio, he's, he really hasn't been too relevant since he won the Masters a few years ago, um, but it was good for him to get back uh, into the winner's circle, and man, he looked, he did look pretty good. I mean, I did see some highlights. Of course, I didn't watch really any of the, the round robin, you know, the four rounds of golf, but he uh, he really did look good. Um, now, my we'll revisit my picks to click from this past weekend and just get that out of the way. Uh, so my picks to click for the Sanderson Farms Championship, I, my first pick was Sung J.M., and he was last year's runner-up. I figured he would come out and play well. And it's not that he played bad, but he he finished nine under par, which was good for tied for 28th, which, of course, is not a click because clicks are anything inside the top 25. So I didn't click on Sung J.M. My second pick to click was Scotty Scheffler. And Scheffler's been playing outstanding golf. PGA Tour Rookie of the Year last year and really kind of had things clicking on all cylinders. And he had to miss the U.S. Open because he tested positive. And, um, but even with that little break, I, I still liked him to finish in the top 25. Well, he finished at six under par, which was tied for 37th. So he didn't click either. And my final pick to click last week was a repeat pick, and it was Will Zalatoris. And I had picked Zalatoris in back-to-back weeks because he's done nothing but light up the Corn Ferry Tour, and really his first two starts on the PGA Tour were top eight finishes. So he had t- two top eight finishes on the PGA Tour, including a tied for sixth at the U.S. Open a few weeks ago. And in the Corn Ferry Tour prior to that, he had 11 straight top 20 finishes. So this guy was rocking and rolling right along. Um, 
and I figured there's no way he would finish anywhere but inside the top 25. Well, what does he do? He goes out and he misses the cut completely. Didn't play on Saturday or Sunday. So that pick was a flop. So I, I, I did not click on any of the three, which I guess the week before at Corrales, I clicked on all three. So I guess it was I was due for uh, for an 0 for 3. But, uh, you know, M and Scheffler still played decent golf, uh, but they just they weren't inside that top 25 threshold, which, you know, again is, you know, I've, I've had good weeks and I've had bad weeks. And um, this this was not. Not a good week for the old picks to click. Uh, but this weekend, the PGA is playing in Las Vegas, Nevada at TPC Summerlin course. And it is the Shriners Hospitals for Children Open. And this is the first of a couple of uh, back-to-back events in Las Vegas. Uh, next week is, uh, I believe, the... Uh, CJ Cup Nine Bridges, which was originally scheduled to be played in Asia, but of course they had to cancel that because or remove you know remove it from Asia and move it back over to the states. So they're going to be in Vegas for back to back weeks, um, which is something we saw late last year. Once they got restarted, uh, they played back to back events um, right at the Memorial Tournament um, at. In Dublin, Ohio, they they PGA played back to back weeks there, but um, this week, you know, the the field kind of the field looks a lot better. You got a lot more big name golfers showing up for this thing, uh, and this this will actually be something worth tuning into uh, just to watch. You know, the big name guys. Now, some news that kind of came out midweek last week, this past week, was that Tony Finau. He was set to go, ready to play in this field, and uh, he ended up having to withdraw because he tested positive for for COVID. So the field will be without Tony Fina, but we still got some really great golfers. And included in those group of great golfers are my three picks to click for the Shriners Hospitals for Children Open. And I'll start off with Webb Simpson. Uh, Webb Simpson has just completely dominated this event since he's been a part of it. Since 2010, uh, his first event there, he's 8 for 8 in cuts made here at TPC Summerlin with a win. He actually won in 2010. And he's got four top 10s and six top 20s out of the eight times he's played this course. And his scoring average for those 32 rounds is 67.66. So the dude is, he knows how to play this course. And he's very familiar with it, and he plays it really well. And in addition to his course familiarity and success here, so far in his last six starts uh, this calendar year of 2020, he has uh, three top 10s and five top 15s in his last six starts. So Simpson's been playing really good, consistent golf, and uh, I don't see why he won't uh, at least click for me, you know, this week. But... The second pick to click is going to be Patrick Cantlay. Uh, Cantlay, he's um, ranked number 13 in the world. Um, Webb Simpson's number 7 in the world. Cantlay's number 13 in the world. 
And speaking of success at this course, he's another guy who's really played extremely well at this course. He is this event, the the Shriner, um, the Shriner Hospitals for Children Open. He is the all-time earnings leader for this tournament, and he's only played it three times. So in three appearances, uh, he's only got beaten by Kevin Na last year and Bryson DeChambeau in 2018. And, you know, so far in this calendar year, 2020, the restart and whatnot, he's only got one top 10 in full field action uh, so far. And that was at the Workday Charity Open um, uh, a couple months back. But he's still, with with his success at this course, um, he knows how to play it. He's a good golfer. Uh, I like for him to click as well. And my final pick to click, I just mentioned him a bit ago. He won this tournament back in 2018, and that is Bryson DeChambeau. And for DeChambeau, he's ranked number six in the world. Uh, And he's coming off a victory at the U.S. Open. That was his last start a few weeks ago at Winged Foot. And, man, if you watched the U.S. Open, you saw just how dominant he was. Uh, The only player to finish under par. Um. In addition to winning back in 2018 at this tournament, he has another two top 10s. And his scoring average in his 16 rounds here is 67.44. So just a tad bit higher than Webb Simpson, but still uh, any round uh, in the the mid mid to high 60s as an average over, uh, you know, four rounds, that's that's pretty solid. And I'd look for DeChambeau. Uh, to finish near the top, really, I'm I'm thinking, not just top 25, but I think he can really, um, he's got a legitimate chance to win this thing, especially if his play carries over from the U.S. Open. But we'll go ahead and we'll move on to Major League Baseball, and baseball is fully underway with their playoffs. And on last week's episode, um. Part of the ALDS was set up. Uh, We knew three of the four American League Division Series teams, and we didn't know any of the National League Division Series teams. And um, we knew that Tampa was going to play the New York Yankees, and the Houston Astros were waiting for their opponent. Now, I picked the Oakland A's to to beat Chicago in that uh, Game 3 and the A's did. They actually did beat the White Sox. So I was I was correct on that pick. The A's won. So the American League Division Series set up to where it was Tampa Bay Rays versus the New York Yankees. Good old AL East matchup. And that's turned into a pretty good rivalry here these last uh, couple months. And then the other series in the ALDS was the Houston Astros and the Oakland A's, which is an American League West matchup and rivalry. So those were the matchups that were set. Now, in the National League Division Series, we didn't know any of those teams that made it on the last episode. I had picked the Los Angeles Dodgers to beat the Milwaukee Brewers, and they did in two games. Um, the Padres played the uh, San Diego Padres, played the St. Louis Cardinals. The Cardinals won game one, and it was a three game series. And I picked 
the San Diego Padres to win two games in a row to win the series, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, that team is young, that team is good, and they they look like they're going to be really solid here moving forward. So um, the, the, the other two series were the Chicago Cubs and the Miami Marlins. And Miami, at the time of last week's episode, had won game one. So all they needed to do was win another game, and I picked them to do that, and they did. They won game two as well. So they actually swept the Cubs in two games, and that's great for Miami. I mean, they have just been in the basement every year, year after year. And realistically, I mean, their team's really not even that that good. I mean, I know they made the playoffs. I know they they beat the Cubs, but um, they're, talk about a young team. They're still young, too. And, I mean, for the casual fan, you you probably can't name more than – maybe maybe one or two Miami Marlins, you know, and uh, so that says a lot about how they played this year and, and their prospect moving forward, you know, with, with seasons to come. But that final American League series was the Atlanta Braves and the Cincinnati Reds, and I liked Atlanta to come out and uh, finish off the Reds, and that's exactly what they did. They also completed their two-game sweep. So that set up the National League Division Series, of the Los Angeles Dodgers versus the San Diego Padres and the Miami Marlins versus the Atlanta Braves. So since this is the first episode um, since last week, uh, I didn't get a chance to make any picks for the American League or National League Division Series. And uh, those all four series are actually complete. Uh, Baseball is cranking right along with, with their playoff schedule and they got their bubble working, um, and so the ALDS and the NLDS were five game series, best of five. Whereas the wild card series was best of three. The division league series is best of five. And Tampa Bay Rays and the New York Yankees, they went to game five. Um, they they stretched that series out. It was the only series to go all five games, and. Tampa Bay, man, they ended up winning game five, two to one. And the only scoring that was in that game were three solo home runs. And the Yankees started Garrett Cole, who went six innings, struck out nine guys, only gave up a solo home run. And when he left, the game was tied at one. So uh, the Yankees' bats, for whatever reason, just decided that – Game five was the appropriate time to uh, take a break. Uh, Aaron Judge hit solo home run for the Yankees, giving them their only run. But, um, yeah, so the Rays, man, they got a a homer in the bottom of the eighth inning to take a 2-1 lead. And uh, that home run actually came off of Araldus Chapman, who, uh, you know, throws 101 miles an hour consistently and, uh, man, that ball left the yard in a hurry. But the Rays, they were the top seed coming into the playoffs. And I i mean, I, I'm still not sold on them, to be completely honest. I mean, they they beat a, a good young Toronto team in the wild card series. And they just beat a veteran Yankees team in the Division League series. So I don't know why I'm still doubting them, but I am. Um, now, the other series, Houston Astros and Oakland A's, Houston won that series three games to one. Um, they just they were all over the A's, and, and in fact, the game that Houston lost 
was a high-scoring affair in which the A's had to come from behind and uh, ended up scoring nine runs. And, you know, it was just one of those where Houston probably should have won that game, but Oakland's bats came alive and they ended up mounting a comeback. And at that time, that made it two games to one. But Houston finished them off in uh, game four. So that sets up the American League Championship Series of the Tampa Bay Rays versus the Houston Astros, which that series is going to be played at Petco Park in San Diego, California. Now on the National League side, the Los Angeles Dodgers and the San Diego Padres, you know, I I talked about Padres being a good young team. They won two games in a row over St. Louis to move on. But the Dodgers, I mean, they're, they're just the Dodgers, right? Like they, you know, they they've they were the top seed in the National League. Uh, they've been the best team in baseball all year, and they polished off a three nothing sweep of the Padres. Uh, just just completely dominated the Padres. So the Dodgers moved on to the NLCS there, and in the other other series, Miami versus Atlanta. You know, Miami was way overmatched and. Um, that Atlanta team, Atlanta ended up winning three games to none in a sweep, which sets up the National League Championship Series of the LA Dodgers and the Atlanta Braves. And that series is going to be played at Globe Life Field here in Arlington, Texas. Now, that matchup is just absurd. Uh, the Dodgers and the Braves both have not lost here in the playoffs. They're both 5-0. and They both have swept their first two series. But the Braves... The Atlanta Braves, in those five games so far that they've played in the playoffs, they've shut out the other team in four of them. So they've pitched four shutouts in five games. And their their pitching is ridiculous right now. And their lineup is really good, too. You know, Ronald Acuna, Ozzie Albies, Freddie Freeman, you know, those guys, they can hit. And the Braves are just, I would not, if I were the Dodgers, I would not want any piece of the Braves right now. Now, the Dodgers, of course... You know they're they're the best team probably in the playoffs, um, and their pitching obviously is ridiculous with Walker Buehler, Clayton Kershaw, um, Julio Urias. You know they have pitching, and their lineup, of course, you got Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, um, you know Justin Turner. Uh, you know the list goes on, and um, so they're you know that 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 lineup is loaded. And their pitching is good. Um, as far as the prediction goes, you know, I'm going to say this is a... So the NLCS and ALCS are both seven-game series. I think this series goes seven games between the Dodgers and the Braves. And I'm going to give the edge to the Dodgers and say that the Dodgers are going to win in seven games only because... Their lineup's better, and the top of the pitching staff is better. And I don't think the Braves can keep up this outrageous shutout streak that they've got going on. I just, I don't see that. You know, the Braves, they played the Cincinnati Reds and the Miami Marlins, both of which are not really uh, good teams. Um, You know, they're not great hitting teams. So I think the Dodgers, um, I like the Dodgers to just come out and you know, swing for the fences. And I'm going to say the Dodgers beat the Braves in seven games. But if the 
Dod or the Braves pitching continues to perform like it has, I would not be surprised if the Braves are in the World Series. Now on the American League side, Tampa Bay Rays and Houston Astros. Now, Houston, they have embraced the role of being the most hated team in baseball. And they finished as a sixth seed. They swept the Minnesota Twins in the wild card series, and they beat the A's in the Division League series. And they lost Justin Verlander, last year's AL Cy Young winner, to a season-ending injury very early in the season. Um, they lost last year's AL Rookie of the Year, Jordan Alvarez, to a season-ending injury. And yet, here they sit for the fourth time in a row, fourth year in a row, they're in the American League Championship Series. You know, people are still talking about them cheating and how it's not legit. And, I mean, honestly, they're, you know, they've had so much flack that you, you know they're not cheating right now. I mean, you know that. That's obvious. They're not cheating. You know, uh, it's, you know, they're doing this and their lineup really underperformed in the regular season. Uh, they probably should have been a top two or three seed, but instead, because their the batting averages across the board for the Astros were significantly lower than what they usually are, they ended up as a six seed. Uh, but their lineup is just as good. Their hitting lineup is just as good as anybody's. I would probably put it up there with the Dodgers in terms of the best lineup. Now they lost Verlander, but they still got Zach Greinke, Lance McCullers, um, so they do have some pitching now. I told you, Tampa Bay, I don't know what it is. They just keep winning. And I still don't have any confidence in Tampa Bay. And this is this is kind of an outrageous pick, but you know, based on what Tampa Bay's done this season, finishing as the top seed and then, you know, coming in to the ALCS as the favorite, I'm gonna take the Houston Astros in six games. Uh, the way that they're hitting the ball right now, Carlos Correa is just on a mission. Um, he was the one that was very vocal when they beat the Twins, saying, where are all the haters at now? What are you going to say? And he's backed it up, man. His play is is really good. So I'm going to say that the Astros beat the Rays in six games to set up an Astros-Dodgers World Series. So... We'll have to stay tuned on that, and uh, that'll be very interesting to uh, follow along there. And that, that'll get going here, I believe, uh, on Monday is when they start those series. Um, but we'll move on to the National Basketball Association. And the NBA, they, uh, you know, they're, they're still moving along with the NBA Finals. And, you know... <sighs> They the Miami Heat won last night. They won Game Five, and so here we are. The Los Angeles Lakers lead the series three games to two. Uh, Miami has been without Goran Dragic since the first game when he tore his plantar muscle, and Bam Adebayo has been banged up. Uh, Jimmy Butler has just been absolutely outstanding. He has. A 40-point triple-double and a 35-point triple-double so far this series. And he is just carrying the heat. Um, Adebayo is clearly bothered by that injury. Um, Tyler Hero hasn't been the same player that he was uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals. And, 
Jimmy Butler is just carrying these guys. And he played 47 of 48 minutes last night in Game 5. Uh, now, for the Lakers, they want, uh, they wore their Black Mamba jerseys uh, yesterday in Game 5. And they were 4-0 this playoffs when wearing those Black Mamba jerseys. And they ended up losing last night. But uh, I think they're going to wear them again tomorrow, Sunday, to uh, hopefully, in, in their eyes, close out the heat. And... Um, but, you know, I, I I look at this and the Lakers are just too good, right? Now, the interesting development on this is that Anthony Davis from the Lakers, he re-injured a, a, a heel injury that he sustained in the Western Conference Finals against Denver. So he's told the media last night after the game that he's going to play, he'll be fine, yada, yada. But you got to figure that's going to bother him. I mean, the dude's seven feet tall. Um, he's an athletic freak, you know, his heel's going to bother him. So I, um, I'd be curious to see if that's going to, if, cause if he's less than a hundred percent, Miami can step right in and take game six as well. Um, the Lakers need Davis to be a hundred percent and that just doesn't, you know, that just doesn't seem like it's probably going to happen for at least game six, but, um, Man, I picked the Lakers in six, and I think they're going to finish them off uh, tomorrow on Sunday to wrap this thing up. But we'll move on to the National Football League. Now, the NFL, man, this week was crazy. Uh, it started off when New England Patriots quarterback Cam Newton tested positive for COVID, and he had to miss the game versus the Chiefs, which that game was supposed to be played on Sunday, but because of the positive test... Fortunately, it hadn't spread at the time, so they moved the game to Monday night. And the Chiefs just looked, again, if you heard the podcast last week, uh, the Chiefs are, I, they're going to go 16-0. and I, I don't see who they're going to lose to, um, especially after they beat Baltimore and New England. Uh, I just don't see, I don't see them losing. But uh, the, the Chiefs beat New England, and then after the game, you saw the handshakes between Patrick Mahomes and Stephon Gilmore. Well, the next day, it comes out that Stefan Gilmore tests positive for the coronavirus as well. So, fortunately, though, um, no other positive tests in the Patriots organizations ha- uh, has surfaced, right? So, um, because of that, though, uh, well, and this week, to add on to that, the Tennessee Titans, they keep having players test positive. They had... Two more players, like midweek this week, test positive, which is crazy because they've already had like, you know, 16, 18 guys test positive. And so they've already, you know, it's kind of run through their team already. And then a week after everybody else tests positive, they get two late late positive tests. And they're scheduled to play this week as well in Buffalo or at home against Buffalo. And... The Titans haven't played. They had a bye week last week because of so many tests. You know, the, the Steelers game against the Titans last week was rescheduled for, I believe, it's week seven. And so everybody, you know, the NFL, they were talking about these positive tests for the Titans. And basically, you, you saw a video of some Tennessee Titans players working out at a high school nearby their practice facility because their practice facility was closed. So the NFL started talking about sanctions and punishments for the Titans if they had to forfeit this game this week against Buffalo. And there's all kinds of stuff that was crazy stuff that was coming out about that. 
And so what the NFL did is they made some schedule changes this week. Now, the first impact of that, of course, is the New England Patriots. And with the Stephon Gilmore test, they haven't had any other positives. So this game is still scheduled to be played. It's just not going to be played on Sunday. The Broncos at the Patriots is going to be played Monday night. So we'll have another Monday night doubleheader. Uh, Give them an extra day to get some more tests in. Now, the Titans game that I was just talking about, Buffalo travels to Nashville to play Tennessee. And that game also was scheduled for Sunday. Uh, But they rescheduled that for Tuesday. And that's contingent on no more positive tests for the Titans. So if the Titans have another positive test, that game ain't happening. And the NFL is probably going to force the Titans to forfeit that game. Uh, But so far, so good. Um, No more positive tests for the Titans. And uh, here we are Saturday. So as long as as long as that stays good over the next couple days, Buffalo's going to make their way to Nashville and get that game in. Now, the impact on that for the Bills is that their Week 6 game next week against the Chiefs, uh, that's a home game for the Bills. And that was supposed to be on Thursday night here. That was the Thursday night game this week, uh, for this next week for Week 6. But the NFL was like, okay, well, Buffalo's playing Tennessee, and t- uh, Tennessee can't get out of their own way with these COVID tests. So just in case they have another positive test show up after the game or whatever, we're going to move the Bills game to from Sunday or from Thursday to Sunday. So instead of having Thursday night football with the Chiefs and the Bills, we're going to have no Thursday night football and the Chiefs and the Bills are going to play on Sunday instead to give an extra couple days in case the Bills players somehow get COVID positive from their game against Tennessee. So that is a really interesting development. Uh, Now, late in the week, the New York Jets announced that they had one player test positive, but the next day it was revealed that the test, they redid it, and it was a false positive test. So um, no, no positive test for the Jets, which is good. That's, that is a crisis averted. Um, So we'll, you know, we'll see on that. Um, you know, that's going to be that's going to be interesting with these schedule changes to see if it pays. And that's just the NFL's way. This is all the NFL's way to try and keep football on the field. I think they've done an excellent job at uh, controlling what they can, using their protocols that they have set in place. And the NFL's really, really doing a good job on this. And so props to them for that because we all want football to stay. But uh, we'll head around the island now for some quick hit topics, and we'll start off in the National Hockey League. Uh, news broke in the NHL last week that uh, probably the face of the NHL, the Oilers superstar forward, Connor McDavid, he tested positive for COVID. Now, of course, he hadn't been in the bubble since Edmonton lost their qualifying round matchup uh, in, in that first first week of the, the bubble. But um, So he's been out of the bubble, but he... Um, you know, he's seems to be doing fine. I think he's just had mild, mild symptoms, but, uh, he's, you know, face of the uh, NHL. So hopefully he gets well soon, but the NHL draft, uh, was, was held this past week and it was all virtual just like the NFL did. And like the NBA is planning on doing and, uh, the top three picks. So the first pick in the draft was, was pretty much set in stone, right? That was I, I talked about that several several podcasts ago. 
and that was uh, belonged to the New York Islanders or New York Rangers rather. So the New York Rangers had the first overall pick via the lottery, which again, I you want to hear me my opinion on the lottery? Tune back, you know, several episodes, and you'll be able to find that. But um, the Rangers selected uh, Alexis Lafreniere from the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, Ramouski Oceanic. He was the consensus top overall pick in the draft, and there really was no surprise there. Now, the Los Angeles Kings, they had the second pick, and they picked a kid named Quentin Byfield. And what's special about Quentin Byfield is that he's African-American. And uh, Byfield's selection at number two overall made him the highest selected African-American player in NHL history. So that's pretty cool, especially... Uh, in the times that we're in now, um, you know, with, with, you know, cultural diversity, trying to be more equal and, you know, we're, we're, everybody's advocating for, for more equality and whatnot. I think Byfield selection is, is kind of, uh, fitting at this, this particular time. Now the the third pick in the draft was belonged to the Ottawa Senators and, um, when they announced their virtual pick, they, uh, they brought in the help of one Alex Trebek the Jeopardy host, who, of course, uh, is Canadian, and he attended the University of Ottawa. And uh, he announced the Senator's pick as a Jeopardy question. And that pick was uh, German forward Tim Stutzel. And um, I would say that those top three picks probably have a legitimate chance to make their NHL rosters. Um, The NHL draft is not like the NFL draft where you expect to see all those kids playing on the field at some point during the season. The NHL is more like the Major League Baseball where a lot of those kids go to the minors for several years before they work their way up to uh, the uh, big leagues. But um, I think Lafreniere, is a, is, he's a shoe-in to be on the Rangers opening night roster in a couple months. Uh, Byfield, um, I think he's got an, a, a, an outside chance to make it. And then Tim Stutzel as well. I think he can he can probably make the roster just because Ottawa's in full rebuild mode. So they may just want to bring him up to the NHL. Um, now, speaking of the next season, uh, during the uh, pre-draft speech given by NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman the other night, he said that the NHL is planning to start the next season on January 1st. So... That will be, uh, you know, just in a couple months, really. So training camps are going to get going here shortly. Uh, I really hope he's correct on that because, man, I want to see some hockey. After that playoffs and my Dallas Stars making it to the Stanley Cup Finals, boy, I'm ready for some uh, for some more NHL hockey. Uh, get back to more normal, you know, maybe we can have fans in the arenas. But uh, quick zip over to college football, the Pac-12. Uh, they, they finally released their schedule. They hop back in on this. We want in fall football, no more spring football. They're playing a seven-game schedule, the Pac-12 is, uh, for all teams. And uh, conference title for the Pac-12 is going to be on December 18th, and regular season will start on November 7th. So that's a real quick season for them, seven games in just over a month. But uh, Pac-12 is going to try and make it work. I doubt they get any playoff teams because seven games, it's really hard to – Make your way into the college football playoffs with that. Um, but it is what it is. Now, uh, the final piece, we'll go back over to the NFL real quick. And speaking of the COVID tests, so the NFL COVID test results for September 27th through October the 3rd were posted. And they ran 37,002 tests to a total 
of 7,981 players and team personnel. Now, they ran out of those 37,000 tests, 14,254 were administered to a total number of 2,480 players. And 22,748 of those 37,000 were issued to 5,501 team personnel. A lot of numbers coming at you, but if you're following along, out of all those numbers, 37,000 tests administered, they had 11 positive tests among players and 15 among personnel. So still a very, very low percentage rate on that, which is good. Um, but it obviously has caused a substantial shift in scheduling. And uh, so, you know, hopefully the NFL, like I said, I just gave them praise for what they're doing. Hopefully they can um, keep it under control like they've been doing. And we all want football back. Um, so it's just, it's a, it's a good time for the NFL to be, um, to be moving on just like normal. But um, they've, they've had some good protocols in place to keep that going. Uh, but that's going to wrap up uh, another episode of Sports Island. hope you guys enjoyed this one as well. Uh, if you do, you can always follow along, Spotify, Google, Apple, anywhere you get your podcast from. Uh, appreciate you guys tuning in, and uh, we'll talk again next week. And catch you on Sports Island next week. Stay safe. Be well.